Are you feeling burned out at the end of your rope, sick and tired of being sick and tired? It's a common feeling, one that has only been exacerbated through the confusing on-again, off-again world we've been living in the past few years. If you're looking for answers to help you on your own journey, or perhaps your employee team members, coaching clients, friends, others, today's episode is just what the doctor ordered. Welcome to the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brad Cooper, co-founder of the Catalyst Coaching Institute. Today's guest is renowned leadership coach and author of the new book, From Burnout to Bliss, Kelly Mirbot. She's been transforming America's top CEOs' personal and professional lives and handcrafted profitable business strategies for thousands of corporations worldwide. But today, she's here just for us. If you pop over to her website, you'll see a version of her personal mission statement where she states, I am here with no other agenda than to hold you accountable for your fullest potential and success. I love that. And for our longtime listeners, you know that is absolutely consistent with our calling to be a catalyst, making a positive difference in our world without being used up or burned out in the process. Today, we'll dig into that more fully. Speaking of burnout, most organizations are looking for ways to effectively enhance the way in which they support the physical and mental health of their employee team members in a way that it's not just another program of the month. If that's you, we'd be honored to discuss ways in which we can integrate nationally board certified health and wellness coaching in a, a personalized manner to help create positive, lasting, and this is important, meaningful change. We've been partnering with organizations large and small since 2007, and we'd be happy to discuss ideas, do some brainstorming anytime. Just shoot us an email, results at catalystcoachinginstitute.com, and we'll get a call set up. Now it's time to light a fire without getting burned, or in this case, burned out, with Kelly Mirabot in the latest episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast. Kelly Mirabot, it is a privilege to have you here. Really exciting topic, so important. Your book's on fire. Let's talk about it. Why all the attention on burnout right now? I mean, it is top of mind. It is in the headlines. What do you think is driving that? I think the pandemic drove it. I mean, this is, I've been studying burnout since 2018, and I saw this as the second wave, wave of the pandemic, that and mental health. Um, and I, I, I'll take you to a statistic that the Society of Human Resource Management put out. They found that people who were working remotely were working 48 minutes additional every day. Mm. So all of those myths about, oh, they have a side hustle or they have this, that, and the other thing, it's not true. It's that they were working so much more in addition to, you know, managing their families, their homes, their lives, you know, now we've moved the office into the house, which is great for a lot of people, especially introverts like me. I love it. Right. And you don't have any commute, which is fantastic. But at the same time, there's no separation between work and life. Like I'll give you an example. I had a, I have a colleague who is fantastic. She's a high level executive at a, um, at Salesforce actually. And, um, she's extrovert and I remember talking to her during the pandemic and she's like I can't do this anymore Kelly and I was like what do you mean and she said you know I'm doing my work on our dining room table where I feed my family and there's literally no separation and we did something very simple um, where I told her that at the end of every day she needs to pack up everything that she worked on and literally put it in a rubber made um, like container where like you know that click, it's very mm-hmm. ASMR. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's the end of it. And you put it aside. And now the dining room table becomes the dining room table, not the workspace. So there's some separation in that. Now, the other great thing is if you have a separate room, like I do, I'm fortunate enough to do that where it's in my basement. And unless I'm doing laundry, I don't have to come down into the office, you know, to create some, just some mental and physical separation. So I think part of it is, is what I said, additional work, 48 minutes extra a day, but also those blurred lines of home versus work that there's no longer a physical separation. It's, it's all one. So because it's a different thing, you've got to shift your mindset. You have to figure out ways to create those boundaries so that your mind can shut down and you can focus on life because, you know, we're not here to work. We're here to live. 
Yeah. So. Well, it's interesting that, that idea of the click to end the day. I remember my dad had about a 25 minute commute and I, and, and worked in the same job for 25 years or so. And I remember asking him, did you ever think about moving closer? Cause there were plenty of options. It, it wasn't a remote type thing. And he said, no, I, I, I need that. I like, I like that 25 minute barrier. And it's probably very much what you're talking about of winding down the workday and then getting ready for the home life. And you yeah. created that through that click, but that's been eliminated for a lot of people. Well, yeah. And, um, you know, another thing I've told my clients to do is to get up out of wherever their workspace is and walk around the block. So they've created a commute, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it creates that separation from work and um, life. And it's just that simple space, spatial creation. Yeah. And there's some brain that <laughs> we'll go back to the click that clicks where it's like, okay, I'm done with work. Let me take a quick walk around the block to, to separate that energy, much like your dad had with the, the 25 minute commute, which, you know, when I'm working with a client, one of the things I say is make your car, your classroom. So, you know, I work with a lot of high ranking officers in the military and they, a lot of them don't live on base, you know, and, and when they leave, I want them to either turn on their radio and listen to some great music or, you know, listen to an audiobook or something to feed their brains so that they can create again, that separation. Because it, when the, when the lines become blurred, that's where the stress happens. That's where the tension occurs. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. How did this come up for you? I, I, how did you venture into this idea of burnout? Is this something that's drawn you for many years? Something you went through personally? What was the what was the magnet that brought you and burnout together for this this book that you've put out? So, um, my, well, first of all, I was running into a lot of clients, and again, it was high ranking officers in the military who literally do not have a normal work day. You know, I mean, they're in the business, unfortunately, of war, and that's only one portion of what they do. Sure. You know, they do humanitarian missions they were ahead of moderna and pfizer in in the vaccine development they do tech development but their their lives are not their own and um i was running into like people being burnt out and not having a good i don't like to say work-life balance because i think the the word balance creates a pressure like, oh, I'm out of balance. Like there must be something wrong with me. I like to say it's a work-life flow. And when I, when I say that, what I mean is if you're working, you know, five, 10 hour days, then you're out of flow. Right. But if you have a normal, like a, let's just say a quote unquote normal day where you're waking up, you're doing your workout, you're doing your meditation, you're setting yourself up for success. You go to work, you finish your work day at five o'clock. You're able to put that separation and take that pressure out of, of the energy of the day and go to go home and have a great meal with your family or whatever, then you're in flow. Right. So sometimes you're out of flow, sometimes you're in flow. To me, that's a little bit more gentle and doesn't cause extra pressure. Right. Like I'm, I'm in addition to being burnt out, I'm out of balance. Right. Well, that doesn't help anything. You know what I mean? So if we're in flow, it's a little bit better. And some days we're out of flow. So how did it show up for me? I'll tell you. Um <laughs> So I, I'm an athlete and I love to work out. And um, one of the things I've invested in is great socks. So if you, I mean, you're an Iron Man, right? So have you heard of the Balaga socks? Have you heard I, of those? Not, huh? Okay, so Balaga makes these socks that are so. Oh yeah, 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 of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. They're supposed to be blister free. Well, they're not cheap socks. They're fourteen dollars mm -hmm. socks. And my husband's working from home today. So as, as I'm saying this, I'm sure he's like rolling his eyes. <laughs> you did what? Well, well, one, I'm sure you've experienced this phenomenon, but my dryer was eating socks and I would get in there and be like, okay, I put you both in. Where's your mate? Like, I don't understand. Well, what happened was I was, do, I was folding laundry and I couldn't find a sock and I burst into tears and I was like, where? Yes. Yes. Sitting on the floor and my husband came in and he said, 
I want you to look at yourself. You're crying over a sock. What is going on? You're burnt out. Like this is not good. Um, and then, you know, I started trying to understand how burnout manifests and it manifests in many ways. And a lot of them physically, you know, irritability, short temperedness, and it's the result of chronic stress. Um, and the chronic stress, basically pushing down your emotions and not allowing them to live their lives. And what I mean by that is emotions are energy, right? So even if you look at the word emotion, emotion, it's energy in motion. And what we know about emotions is the emotional cycle is 90 seconds at most, unless we interrupt it or suppress it. When you suppress it, it literally becomes like poison in your body because there's nowhere to go. So that's what was happening with me as I was feeling the stress and these emotions and going, nope, can't deal with that right now because there's more stress coming on top of it and more stress. And what it happened, the way, what I, the way I say it to my clients is it's like emotional constipation because they're all backed up and stuck. Right. So you need, we need to give it a way to kind of move out of your system, which is why I started like working on these techniques, you know, and then beta testing them with over 300 high ranking officers in the military. Cause that is, literally the toughest demographic we have besides law enforcement, you know, and they're dealing with trauma on top of that. So I wanted to figure out ways to, no matter where they were, whether they were stationed at Fort Bragg or overseas in the Middle East, they could do a technique that did not require any, anything other than themselves, whether it was breathing or my favorite, which is the primal scream, um, which I love. And I'll talk to your audience about how to do that if you want. Um, but it's, it's fantastic, you know, and especially now with, with everything going on, um, you know, it's really important that we have ways to move those emotions and create relief because otherwise we're a bunch of pre- pressure cookers walking around ready to explode. And, and then we have, turn out good. Yeah. right. And then let's look at our, our world, you know, what's happening. And when you don't have a place for, for those emotions to go, you have horrible things that happen, i.e. mass shootings in, in schools. Yeah. You know, that's the extreme end of it. Um, so, you know, why not do things that can create relief along the way um, so we can avoid that and you can actually live a life that is fulfilling, rich and dare I say, blissful. You know, you've piqued everybody's interest on this primal scream thing. We're going to, I wrote it down. We're going to put it aside just for a second. I want to address one other question and then we can come back to it because everybody's going, wait, 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 what's this primal? I want, I want to do a primal scream. So you, you cover the five stages of burnout in your book. Let, let's look at these stages and you provide it basically as the initial burnout and then chronic burnout. Before we hit the stages, can you describe more generically the difference between the initial burnout phase and the chronic burnout phase? Yeah. So the chronic burnout phase, let's, let's start there. Cause I've already kind of touched on it. It's, it's that chronic stress, right? It's, it's, you know, is it time-based? It, is it six months is, or can you drop into could, chronic stress in a week? It could be different for everybody. It okay. really depends on the kind of role you're, you're having. Like, you know, let's look at the healthcare professionals who I literally equate to, you know, service members in the military after what they went through. Yep, and COVID. Absolutely. You know, um, those wonderful, magnificent humans who literally saved us, it was nonstop, nonstop, nonstop over. I mean, how many, I mean, we're still not out of it. So I would say two years, you know, that that's a huge timeframe versus, you know, somebody who may be coming in and developing an app, which that moves at the speed of thought. And again, that could be, you know, you're on deadline for two weeks and then you're burnt out because you're working what, you know, 24 hour days or whatever it is. So it could, it's, it's different. It's also different for how sensitive you are. Like I'm an introvert, right? That doesn't mean I'm shy. That means when I put a lot of external energy out, it drains me. And what I know I need to do is number one, take care of myself and have downtime, right? Versus an extrovert who gets 
you know, kind of enrichment and fulfillment from putting out that energy. So let me give you an example. Um, back in 2016, I spoke at the Pennsylvania Conference for Women. There were 9,000 women there. You know, after that, it was three days of rest for Kelly because that's a lot of energy. And on top of being an introvert, I'm an empath, which means I feel very, very, very deeply. So all of that energy hitting my central nervous system is a lot and I need to make sure I recalibrate. So going back to your question, chronic is, well, let's use the extreme of, you know, the military, the healthcare professionals, or, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people in Silicon Valley who burn themselves out chronically, you know, and a lot of it comes from self-worth and proving that you're worth it. You know, a lot of high performers are like, look, I'm superhuman. I can do what the average person can't do. And they're putting it themselves into burnout. Right. Versus somebody who's really balanced and understands, like I have a new client that said to me, um, I'm not in love with working. And I was like, okay, tell me what you mean. He's like, I'm okay with showing up at work, getting, doing my work, getting a paycheck and leaving at five 30 because I have other things in my life that are fulfilling. Whereas a lot of people who are in burnout are using that to validate themselves and their value. So, that, okay. So that makes good sense. As you look at the five stages, are there, I don't want to read them to everyone, but uh, are there one or two in there that you think would be helpful to highlight as a, a red flag for people to say, oh my gosh, I think that's me. Maybe I'm moving toward the chronic phase. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll tell you one of them is irritability and short temperedness. Another one is Sock crying, crying you know, losing pleasure and things that you used to love, not having energy for things that you, you know, for instance, um, one of the things one of my clients used to love to do was marathons. And she was just like, yeah, I'm not even like, she'd look at her running shoes in disgust after 20 years of loving to run. Um, so like things like that, that you were passionate about all of a sudden becoming, like a burden and having a discuss with it. Another thing I equate it to is, is in that initial stage, if anybody's seen the movie Pleasantville, which is a movie with Reese Witherspoon back in the day. And in the beginning it's black and white, and then they move into color. It's, it's almost like your life becomes black and white. Like there's mm. no flavor. Mm. That's beautiful. Dull. Yeah. You know, it, there, there's literally no joy, no sparkle, no pleasure in it. Um, you know, um, an extreme version, and this is, you know, again, I'm going to give a trigger warning to any people who have addiction issues, but I had a client who, um, would get in bed every night. She was a high performer, C-suite executive for a very large, um, tech company in Silicon Valley. And she would get in bed and she described her burnout, like, an electrical charge going through her body. So like laying down and finally getting her, like her central nervous system to try to try to try to quiet. And she couldn't because there was all this energy underneath it. Again, remember emotional constipation, it's that energy looking for a way to get out. And unfortunately, you know, before she came to me, the way she would relax herself was a bottle of wine, a Xanax and a bath. Tough combo. Yeah, exactly. That's not a long-term solution. That's not healthy. You know, so we put techniques in place so that she could create space between her work and her home. Um, You know, she asked for help. That's another thing that contributes to burnout, not asking for help, thinking you can do it all yourself. You know, and again, that's a self-worth issue. It's like, I'm superwoman. I don't need you, Brad. I can do all this myself. No, you can't. No, you can't. And what what I tell my clients is... Uh, there's an African proverb that said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. You know, you can get more accomplished when you pull people in on your team. I mean, you're an IR man, you know, you couldn't do it without your team. It's the same thing. you got to employ and people want to help if you ask them yeah. and you empower them to do it. They may not do it exactly the way you, you do it, but if they get to the end state you want, why does it matter how they get there? So, you know, those are a few things I would say really pay attention to and pay attention to the signals your body's giving you. Like when I said to her, okay, tell me 
what emotions and physical sensations arise when you're in your chronic state of burnout. And it was clenching her jaw, tension in her neck and shoulders, that electrical charge under the skin when she was laying down. Your body will tell you. Your body will tell you. And you need to use that and your emotions as a guidance system. And I'll, I'll pull a quote from the wonderful Brene Brown, who is a gift to humanity in my opinion. <laughs> You know, in her book, Atlas of the Heart, she makes the distinction that we believe as humans, we're thinking beings that sometimes feel. We're not. We're feeling beings that sometimes think. And we discount our emotions, especially in this country, as a weakness. I see it as a guidance system and an asset. You know, if you're not using your emotions and your body to, to guide you, then you're missing out on valuable resources that you have within, within yourself. So, you know, the work is really tuning into that. Okay. So the tuning in piece, it, it sounds like you're reminding us, we all know this inherently, but you're reminding us very clearly when those emotions come don't run from them. Don't be afraid of them. Don't, you, you also don't have to dive into them. Take them as information. Say, okay, I'm crying over a sock right now. Right. What does this tell me? This is very valuable information. Yeah. And then maybe pull that other friend, cohort, coach, uh, counselor, therapist, spouse, sister, brother, whatever, uh, yeah. in and say, okay, so I cried over a sock yesterday. Would you have time to kind of chat this through? Is is that where you're taking this like that? Don't, don't get scared by the emotions. Don't get freaked out by the emotions and don't, don't avoid the emotions. Use that as information to make the next best step. Yes. So I, I equate them to an alarm clock, waking you up to something that's out of balance. Nice. I like that. For me, um, I do say lean into the emotions. I do because it's it's 90 seconds. And let me give you an example. So I had a high ranking officer in the military who told me now when I work with the military, it's all focused on emotions and emotional well-being and emotional intelligence. Okay. Okay. And so teaching them to understand that their emotions are an asset, not a liability is is a mental jump for them because they've been conditioned in the opposite direction. And what I have to explain to them is they're not going to end up in a ball in a dark room, sucking their thumb, crying into (laughs) tissues if they lean into their emotions. Because, again, emotions are energy. Right. So this this officer comes on and he's like, Kelly, I'm a stoic. And I'm like, okay. I said, tell me about your family life because you and I both know babies are born with two fears, fear of falling, the fear of loud noises, everything else is learned. So if you're watching your family and your dad and grandfather, like his were, were stoics, your child is mostly like, most likely to grow up a stoic, right? So he's, I said to him, all right, well, tell me the last time you had an emotional expression. And he told me a story about how he brought his seven-year-old son to Arlington to see some of the the grave sites of some fallen members of his company. Mm. And I noticed, because we were on Zoom, he was stationed in Germany, um, that he started to cry. Well, what he didn't know was off camera, I set my stopwatch because I had told him an emotional cycle from start to finish is 90 seconds. So I said to him, I said, all right. You know, so you're getting emotional. We're not going to interrupt that. I want you to just sit with it and let it flow through. And when you're ready, you raise your hand and we'll continue. So I sat there and just allowed him to have his feelings. And he raised his hand and I looked at him and I said, I want you to know that was less than 60 seconds. It only extends when we suppress it or interrupt it. That's where the emotional constipation comes from, right? Like, you know, obviously I'm not advocating for him to be in the middle of a concert conference sure. room with a bunch of four star generals, you know, sitting on the floor, holding hands, my arm, passing around the tissue box. That's not what I'm advocating for. But if you have an emotion, you know, expression rise up, you know, and you suppress it at that moment, cause it's inappropriate, then we need to go back immediately and make sure it has its cycle. So we don't get into burnout. Um, And he told me in our next session, he said, you know, my wife is really, really happy today. And I said, why is that? And he said, I rolled over this morning and I looked at her and I said, I'm feeling really happy today. And she looked at him and said, that just made my day. 
because he's a stoic, right? And for him, an emotional expression was, I'm feeling really happy today. And by comparison with what she'd been hearing for 10 or 15 or however many years. Or not not hearing. Yeah. Because he was internalizing it. Uh, Let's pop that primal scream in now. This is a good time. So what do we do with this thing? How does this work? Okay, so this actually comes from primal scream therapy, um, which was a little bit radical in its time. But again, for me, um, as somebody who was conditioned as a child to be stoic and not express emotion, this thing is so helpful. But I want to give a disclaimer warn whoever you live with before you do this. I always and I remember doing it. My poor husband Brian came running in and was like, "What's happening?" And I was, like, "I'm just testing a technique." Um, but there's a couple of ways you can do it. There, my favorite way is to get in my car because it's soundproof, and I turn on Ozzy Osbourne's "Crazy Train," and when he screams "All aboard," I open my mouth and I just let it rip. And you know the the cycle has ended when you feel something almost unlock and move in you. Another way you can do it, which is a way I did when I did my TED talk back in April, because I was extremely stressed um, as one of those most stressful, like traumatic experiences. <laughs> And I'm symptomatic because it was the story of me overcoming and surviving three sexual assaults in college. Wow. I have to retell that story over and over again and memorize it without. And and just the leading up to it, having to cycle it, cycle it, cycle it over and over and over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Where my psychiatrist, Dr. Phillips, the man, I mean, I love that man. He's helped me with so many things. He said to me, if I knew this topic was the topic you were picking, I would said, <laughs> no, too late. <laughs> Here we are. Oh, so was I, I grabbed a pillow and I, <laughs> I got on the bed and I straddled the pillow and I buried my face in it and just screamed, you know what I mean? So it would muffle the sound and not disturb the other patrons in the hotel. Um, another way you can do it is just to, you know, plant your feet and just, open your mouth and scream. And it's, again, it's about moving the energy. That's all we're looking to do. And it's three seconds. It's Aussie time. It's, it depends. It's whatever. It's whatever works for you. You know what I mean? For me, it could be three seconds because I'm practiced in moving my energy for you. It could be 15 seconds. It could be 30 seconds, um, whatever, you know, just make sure that you're doing it in a place where number one, if you (laughs) your car, that's great. Um, if, if you can do it in your home, warn your spouse um you know of course my animals always come running when i scream oh. um but yeah i mean it's it's a really easy way to do that and the other thing is it, it calms your central nervous system down because you're i mean you're you're a phd you know the vagus nerve is the biggest nerve in our, our body right and it goes from the the stem of our our skull all the way down into our stomach right and vibration is what calms your central nervous system down so yawning singing humming um screaming can all calm that down so that's what that's what's happening by biologically in your body um i like it because also it's it's kind of fun to scream. If you- <laughs> That's why we like sports so much. You get to go out there and just yell, yell, yell. Yeah. Go, come on, Rams. Let's do this thing. Yes, yes. Let's do it. Let's F and go. Totally, you know what I mean? Totally. All right. So, so let's talk about your book title because when I first saw it, I was like, that's a big promise, Kelly. Like that, you're not just saying I'm going to help you moderate your your burnout. Of course, that's kind of too boring of a title. You're saying we're going from burnout to bliss. Like, is that yeah. really a thing? Like, can can we really get from burnout to bliss? Yeah, I believe you can. But you, you know, it's it's all about the belief. You know what I mean? Um, thoughts become a belief when you when you keep thinking about them, right? That's when they they come in. So you have to go in suspending disbelief, like you know, and and all of these things are beta tested on three hundred high ranking officers in the military. The most, like I said, the hardest um, demographic that, you know, is highly stressed. Um, and I will tell you as an English lit major, the alliteration of burnout to bliss was like, Oh, that's amazing. 
Yeah. Right. Um, and I and part of the reason why, you know, I put these techniques in is because, first of all, they're tested. We tested them. Um, and the second thing is you can do them anywhere. You know, a good laugh, a good cry. You can do that. A 20 second hug is fantastic, you know. And, and of course, um, you know, if you look at uh, uh, there's a couple of books that have come out that, you know, also reiterate these these techniques. But um, yeah, I believe you can. I believe you can. But here's the thing. You've got to do the work. I can't take you there. I can tell you I've sure. I've done it techniques and with the military and all of that and they're tested and they do work but you have to put them into practice that's the one thing i say to my clients is that you're the uncommon denominator there's a reason why i have a 90 percent success rate i know what i bring to the table the only thing i can't control is you so if you buy this book and it collects dust and you don't do anything with it well, of course, you're not going to get blissful. But if you put in your mind, my intention is to relieve my burnout, to heal it, to get to the blissful state. You've already set yourself up for success because your mind is aligned for that intention. Right, right. All right. That you, I, I don't know if you're peeking at my questions here or what, but you just set the next question up perfectly. Because as coaches, clinicians, counselors, et cetera, can attest, there's a big difference between me saying, I want to do A, and so I'm going to move forward, and and recognizing it in someone else and wanting to come alongside them. So any tips for those folks that are in that role? Maybe it's friends, maybe it's coworkers, maybe it's employees that work for their organization, maybe they're coaching clients, et cetera. Are, are, there, are, are there ways to tenderly touch on this and just without... Because we know it doesn't help to tell people. It never helps to say, you know, Kelly, you should do such and such. Well, you're like, thanks, but no thanks. So any tips for the person that you're seeing all these burnout signs and they're not seeming to want to is the wrong word, but nothing's changing. Any tips for what we can do in that case? Yeah. Model the behavior yourself. Mm, mm, mm. Model it yourself. You know, um, the way I coach is, is, is very different, Brad. Like I'm, people will say to me all the time, like I've met executive coaches before and you're not like them. And that's, to me, that's a high compliment. But the reason I do, they say that is because I leverage my mistakes, my own life, the lives of my clients. Of course, I never like, obviously the story I shared with you, I didn't reveal who the person was, um, you know, but I, I do it through storytelling. And I always say to my clients in the beginning, I'm going to tell you a lot of stories and I'm not doing it to egoically impress my beliefs on you. I don't believe in that. I do it to share information so that you, Brad, can make the best decision for yourself. You know, and once you make that choice and our jobs as I believe coaches, um, therapists, psychiatrists is to lead them to it and show them an example of it. Right. Telling is one thing, but words don't teach. Words don't teach, but our examples, well, um, I, I never ask my clients to do anything I haven't done myself ever, never, ever. I'm never going to ask them to do that because that's not fair and it's hypocritical. Let's talk about hard work. Um, obviously, that's a key component with this whole burnout thing in the first place. So for many of us, it's not just a, a thing. It's it's our self-identification. I work hard and and it, it, you know, the whole side hustle, the, the lexicon of that phrase, so much in vogue of everybody saying, oh, you got your side hustle. How do we balance the desire to consistently work hard? We don't want to change that. That's a good quality. How do we balance that without crossing over into the burnout piece? Understand that you are not your job. That is something you do. It's not who you are. You know, and, and when I say that to people in the military, because that job is all consuming, it's all consuming. It's who it's, it's almost like I'm ripping away their sense of self, but that's just one small sliver of who they are, you know, and it isn't even who they are. It's what they do. It's, it's, it's what they've chosen to do with their lives. So understand just because you're a doctor doesn't mean that's who you are. That's what you've chosen to do. 
Um, I will tell you a really quick, funny story. My colleague, Tiffany Tavares, who is a vice president of community outreach at um, Wells Fargo, she reports the CFO. She and I, when we would network together prior to the pandemic, and she's a little bit more um, direct with people. But when people would come up to us and say, what do you do? Like, I hate that question in networking because I'm like, is that really what you want to know? What do I do? Or do you want to know who I am as a human? And she, Tiffany would say to them, go away, think of a better question and come back to us. <laughs> because it sounds harsh, but, but think we're, this is all conditioning that we're talking about. This is the way we've been taught to behave. Like you go to a networking event, it's like, Brad, who, what do you do? What do you do? I don't want to know that. I want to know the human behind the title. I want to know what brought you to this. I want to know what was it in your soul that said, yes, Brad, I want you to be a PhD. I want you to, you know, do all of these Ironmen that you did. You, why did you do this podcast? What called to you? That's more informative. I don't, I don't know if I can curse on this. I don't give a shit what you do. doesn't matter if you're a janitor or your CEO. If you do it with love, with empathy, with compassion, that that's what I want to know about. Right. So I think, again, going back to blurred lines that we talked about in the beginning, I think a lot of times we put too much emphasis on what it is we do not who we are. That's why when I interface with somebody on LinkedIn and I, let's use men, for example, what I'm seeing a lot of now is husband, father, dog lover, then something because that's who they, that's, you know, kind of the human that they're made up of. They're not just this one thing. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's wrapping up your idea of self in what you do. And you but think I mean, the hard work piece is tied to the what you do? Because I'm I'm thinking, and I may be off base, I have not studied this like you have, but I'm thinking the hard work piece is, it is who you are in a lot of ways. Whether you're working in the yard, whether you're training your dog, whether you're, you, you said you love working out, so whether you're in the gym, it's like who I am in many cases. And a lot of our listeners are are probably not in their head and go, yeah, 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 that's who I am. I just work hard. It, it's not, it's not for money. Sometimes it's for money. It's not for getting my yard up to speed. It's not for Strava. It's just all of those. I, I just, if I'm in, I'm in. So how does that balance out with the burnout piece or, or does that person need to be more alert to those warning signs that you talked about earlier? I, I agree. I think they need to be more alert again, going back to attunement. But I also think about words, creating your reality. Like when I'm, when I work out, I love it. I don't call it hard work. I, I just, for me, working out is play. It's, it's a way to move my body with joy, you know? So why do we have to call it hard work at all? Why not call it playtime? You know, I always joke, like, um, I go to soul cycle a lot and there's a, there's a bunch of like, you know, inspirational words on the walls in the studio. And there's one phrase that I think people always forget. And they, they say it's a cardio party. I'm like, are you working hard at a party? I'm not, I'm playing, I'm yelling, I'm dancing to music. <laughs> to me, it's, it's not hard work, you know? And for you, I would, I would challenge you to say, when you're in that flow state of being in the Iron Man, you're moving through space. Is that hard work? No, I, I think, I mean, if you look at She Sent Me High's research on flow, which you've used that word so well, it's when you're stretching yourself just, just inside or just outside your capacity yeah. and, and you lose yourself in that because of, right. of where you've placed yourself. You're not... You're not sitting on your couch. You're not watching Netflix. You're, you're stretching and yet you're not going beyond it. You're, you're not to the point where you're just in agony. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So work that is ag- if work is agony, red flag, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or call me and we'll get you out of there and put you into a place where, where work is fulfilling. Right. Right. You know, again, We shouldn't be living to work. Work should be fueling the rich lives that we want to have. It should be funding that. Right. 
Right, right. Yeah, we use that phrase a lot. It, it, that's your that's your grant process if you're in academia. That's your uh, GoFundMe if you're you're in the, the the other aspects of the world. Well, let's talk about stress for a second because a lot of what we're talking about stress is the undercurrent. It gets a bad rap. The reality, though, of the actual word, the utilization of the word, is that's what moves us forward. We had Dr. Kelly McGonigal from Stanford on. She wrote the upside of stress. You've probably read it. She's amazing. Uh, it's when stress exceeds our physiological or psychological capacity that we have the problem. That, that's when the problem kicks in. So what would you encourage folks to do or would you encourage them to do things to strengthen the capacity so that, um, that same amount of stress is not putting them over the top? Or, or is that not something you dive into? I mean, I do. And I think where my mind is going is that there are two types of stress. There's you stress and distress, you stress, EU stress, and then distress, right? You stress is when you're at the Super Bowl and you're so amped up with the adrenaline that you catch that pass and run it for 90 yards. And again, that's where the flow state comes in, right? And you're out of your body. And like, it's just you stress is the good stress. It's the things that drive forward. It's how, what helps us make deadlines to fulfilling projects we're doing at work. Distress is what contributes to burnout. It's that where the central nervous system is, is hit again. And you're like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. It's that kind of feeling. So I think, you know, testing yourself and, um, thinking about, okay, what is this eustress or distress eustress we can use as the fuel to power things forward. It's positive. Distress is when we're sending up the SOS mayday, mayday going down. We don't want to be in that state. Right. Um, and then you, you've also got to be in tune with yourself, like in high stress situations, i.e. like there was a time when my mom was rushed to the hospital. I'm one of those people that over functions when I'm in a stressful situation, there are some people that under function, like, well, it's the deer in the headlights, right? For me, I'm like, where's the patient advocate? Why hasn't the doctor seen? Okay. I, my sister call, call dad, call, you, you know what I mean? I'm the one directing, but again, that's, that's a stress management thing. So you've got to, first of all, know how you function under stress. What happens? Um, do you do things to cope with the distress? right? That are unhealthy, i.e. let's go back to my client, the Xanax, the bottle of wine, the bath, right? Not healthy. How can we switch something that's more healthy? Um, And then once the quote unquote stressful situation is passed, remind yourself that you survived. Remind yourself that you survived. You're you're still alive. You're okay. And you're moving forward. Great. And I think you know, yeah, putting yourself in stressful situations that are safe and, you know, modulated, meaning kind of managed. I mean, I I have a very high stress tolerance and it's because of the situations I've been in, but it's also because of the work I do. You know, I don't just work with the military, I work with Department of Homeland Security, FEMA, TSA, DOT. Those are all people that are burnt out. also dealing with stress on a daily basis. So if you can figure out what your stress tolerance is and where your breaking point is and staying within that kind of region and then making the distinction, is this like, okay, I'll give you an example. Right before my, my Ted talk, I literally, I said a prayer, right? And then there was a a full length mirror behind the stage um, right before I walked through the curtains. And I looked at myself and I go, you got this. And I knuckle bumped myself. (laughs) I love it. I went on stage and I had told them, I said, you need to give me three seconds to plant my feet and breathe. I did that. And then the person in the audio booth signaled me and went like this and then started the clock because you have 18 minutes to do it. I don't know what happened after that, Brad. I can't tell you. I mean, I can tell you there were, I cried. I remember that. I remember my watch class came off and I fixed it. And I also remember stumbling over one phrase. That's all I remember. I was completely out of my body. That's eustress. That's an example of eustress, right? Um, Distress is the day before when I completely blew the dress rehearsal. When I stood in front of that camera, the lights went on and I forgot my words. Oh. After six months of memorizing it. Oh. 
but here's what I know from my friends that are actors on Broadway and all of that, because I was panicked and I texted all of them. And I was like, isn't it true that if you blow the dress rehearsal, the performance is great. <laughs> and they were all like, yeah, that's the thing. Relax. You want things to go wrong in the dress rehearsal. So again, that's a perfect example of distress. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I've worked on this forever. Here we are. And I'm blowing it. And I will tell you prior to that talk, I meditated twice in the morning. I said a ton of prayers because I'm, you know, I, I'm connected to source. Like that is something that's really important to me. And I made sure I didn't drink coffee. I got a good night's sleep. I drank my water. I didn't, you know, took a shower, like, you know, controlled my set and setting and set myself up for success. And that, that is a perfect example of distress versus eustress. And again, I think you're cheating. You somehow are seeing through the screen over the <laughs> corner of my computer because the next question is exactly what you, um, you're talking about. We talk about the four cornerstones of health and wellness all the time. Move, fuel, rest, and connect. When I'm feeling burned out, if I'll look burned out, I'm going to use that in quotes because I may not quite hit what you're talking about. But when I'm feeling like I'm burned out, I look at those four and, and almost always there's some deficiency there. I haven't been exercising. I haven't been sleeping consistently. I'm, I'm not fueling effectively. I'm eating junk or I'm not connecting primarily to my wife. We're very close. And my connection with her has a big influence on, on how I feel a lot of times with that burnout. Do you, you, you've touched on some of those with your Ted talk piece. Mm -hmm. You talk about prayer. You talk about the water. You talk about being careful with caffeine intake, getting a good sleep. Are, are those core pieces that you bring to the table with your clients in your book, et cetera, to say, whoa, 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 wait, let's, let's look at the basic. We don't have to go into high tech here. Let's first look at move, fuel, rest, connect. And then if those don't fix it, then we can look at some other things. Is that a key piece? Yes. And I will tell you, I get that from my father. He's a former professional golfer on the PGA tour at 80 top 10 finishes. Uh, he, um, uh, he had b a bigger influence on me than, than I would have liked to have said before, but he, he did. And when my clients come into my life, I always tell them, I'm going to treat you like a high performance athlete. And I want to give a caveat to that. I'm not a nutritionist, sure. nor am I a certified professional personal trainer. I'm going to pull from my own life. Right. But when I'm not eating properly, not getting a good night's sleep, not drinking my water, right. um, have the core, the core things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Here's the thing. If we can get sleep regulated, and this is something I learned from Dr. Eric Gentry when I took his uh, trauma class at the Arizona Trauma Institute, one of the things that he says is with his trauma patients, if he can get sleep regulated, it's easier, easier to get everything in line. Right. So the first thing I would start with, if you're feeling burnt out is how is your sleep? Absolutely. Right? When I when I was feeling burnt out and I have sleep apnea, so my sleep is tracked by doctors and all of that. One of the things I realized was I was getting five to six hours of sleep. Yep. I'm a seven to eight hour person, yep. like as are yeah. most people. Yep. Um, and anybody who says they're not or that sleep right, <laughs> you're probably sleep. wrong. Yeah. Great. When I said this to my sleep doctor, I was like, I have military people who are like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Right. She's like, tell them if they don't sleep, they'll get dead. Yeah. And I'm like. Got it. Right. right. That's true. So the first thing I say is if somebody comes on Zoom or if they're in front of me and I notice they're low energy, the next questions I ask is, how did you sleep last night? What's your nutrition like? Did you get your workout in? Have you done your meditation? You know, have you played? Meaning like that's something that as as adults, we think we should let go of but play in my context is doing something for the pure joy of doing it with no result or benefit in the background it's just for the pure pleasure of doing it right. that's good I, I like that and yes sleep i'm glad you highlighted that further we've had four sleep doctors researchers physicians dr winter and dr singh most recently and they're always our most popular episodes i'm glad you're hitting that just got a couple more. One that came to mind as we were chatting is we've had some guests talk about HRV. So the variability of the heart rate, it's a great physiological assessment that you can do very simply in one or two minutes each morning, a lot of different tools and apps out there. So I won't specify one, but 
it tells you what's happening in your physiology. As your heart rate variability increases, that's a good thing. As it decreases, it means your body's kind of like, I'm shutting down here. I'm uh, This is not working. Have you utilized, maybe not HRV, but have you used, utilized any kind of physiological testing to help people see that these changes they're making are making changes internally? Yes. And I'm laughing because I use this. Um, okay. So in my former life, I was in the media. I was, um, I sold radio, but I was also an associate producer for a local news station. So I know what those organizations are about and they're fear-based, right? So there was a stretch of time where I was watching news um, during the day and then getting in my car and listening to it on Sirius. And I did a test. I was like, let me see what each of these news stations do to my heart rate, just just for fun in a, in a 60 second period. MSNBC, CNN and Fox News shot up my heart rate. <laughs> The reason I say that is because a lot of my clients who are high performers are news junkies, mm-hmm. right? Well, what happens with those organizations is they tap into the lowest vibration of humanity, which is fear, right? It's easy to to get into. It bleeds, it leads. Right. And that was something the news director said to me on my first day. And then he said, remember the two R's, ratings and revenue. So what I recommend is a news fast, right? And, and, And that includes social media too. My last question for you, my friend. You're going to have to ponder this one for a second. You've got a billboard and you you get to help the world with their burnout by putting something on this billboard. Now, obviously people are driving by, so it can't be a paragraph. It can't probably even be a full sentence. It's just got to be, what do I see up there? So what would you put on that billboard to help the world as they drive on their commute this morning or home tonight? What, what, what gets said on that billboard? Feeling burned out and then my URL. Oh, there we go. And we will have her URL in the description, folks. So pretend like you saw that billboard. Kelly, thank you so much. This was awesome. So important, critical timing and appreciate what you're doing. Brad, thank you for having me. And this is a fantastic podcast. You're doing such a great service to humanity. I'm glad that I was able to provide a moment in time for you and your listeners and hopefully it served them. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. First. You feel better already, don't you? Thanks again to Kelly Mirabot for joining us to share her insights. We have included her contact information in the description if you'd like to learn more about her work or reach out to her for some further follow-up. Thanks for tuning in to the number one podcast for health and wellness coaching. Next week's episode features Dr. Tina Seeley taking us on the journey of good luck. Seriously, if you're looking for more luck in your life, there's actually research on how to go about it. And Dr. Seeley will lead the way. As always, feel free to reach out to us with any questions about your current or future coaching career. Results at CatalystCoachingInstitute.com. We do have a training coming up you can tap into, or you can find additional resources on the website at CatalystCoachingInstitute.com. Now, it's time to be that Catalyst. This is Dr. Brad Cooper of the Catalyst Coaching Institute. I'll speak with you soon on another episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast, or maybe over on the YouTube coaching channel.